Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, our special guest is Lynn Bashir, Commissioner of the Department of Mental Health. Also, the V-Team takes a look at prison suicides. And Coach Tommy Tuberville thinks $600 a week for emergency unemployment is way too much. What does he really want? Other people's money. Oh, he used to be in the investment game. That's what it is. Mo money. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. of Alabama politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Josh Moon, investigative reporter and columnist at APR, and Susan Britt, research guru extraordinaire and my constant companion. How are y'all this wonderful day? Great, how are you? Yeah, doing good over here. How about you guys? Doing excellent. Doing great. Outside of beautiful downtown Atala. Nice. So, so Josh, our school kids uh, are starting school later this month. Uh, some of them will be in class. Others will be going virtual. But there's two cautionary tales coming out of our sister states of Mississippi and Tennessee. They they started their classes early, and the they've had to uh, quarantine over in Mississippi some 116 students already. And in Tennessee, they uh, are considering closing down some school districts altogether because of the COVID-19 cases that are popping up among students and teachers. Cautionary tale here. <laughs> well, reality. I, I don't think this is, I, you know, I don't know that, that we could say it's, it's a cautionary thing because I think a lot of people kind of thought that that's what's going to happen anyway, uh, you know, because it's a, uh, it, it, you look at the facts of this virus and and how it spreads and how quickly it can spread and how we're going to have to do tracing and, and, and those types of things to try to keep it under control somewhat in schools where kids are roaming around mostly without masks. Um, and, you know, it's just, it, it, this is what, this is life now, you know, and I, I don't know, I don't know how it's going to work for a lot of these schools. Uh, you know, I understand the quandary that the, a lot of school systems and, uh, and state officials are in, in in opening schools. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that you have this virus that's going to spread when you get people together in a confined area indoors for a long period of time. And I, I don't know how that's ever going to work. I mean, Susan, we're expecting children to show up at school and wear a mask. And, you know, they, they go to school in a Panda Patrol mask and they come home in a Spider-Man mask because they traded it yes. at lunch. I mean... I don't know how you get this, the message across. Well, we've already had uh, Gadsden City School had to postpone their band and football practice because of COVID. We have, uh, I believe it was Gordo High School, that their football team and their marching band are now under quarantine. So we haven't even started school yet and everything's beginning to shut down. 
Yeah, there, there are two. Uh, there are two high schools in Mobile that uh, their football teams have had to quarantine for fourteen days, right. and you know it's just a. This just life, and that's what I'm saying. You know, people say, "Well, you just don't want things to happen. You don't want football to take place, or whatever." No, I mean, this is just the fact of the virus. I don't know. I, I mean, it's just. I, I understand the the point of the children are probably going to be fine. Okay, I get that. But what you're what you're also doing is spreading it to all their fa- family members. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's where the concern comes in for a lot of people. You can't tackle somebody while still social distancing. It doesn't yeah. work. It's hard. It's hard. Hey, okay. Deion Sanders tried it for years. You know, Deion Sanders was the best social distancing tackle we ever had, but that's that's good. Yeah, I know. I've seen a few social distance tackles. <laughs> didn't work out that well. Well, it's just a, it's a quandary. You know, we're just going to have to get through it somehow, and hopefully, hopefully, we will not experience the worst. Um, yes. You know, we've had a lot of problems with our state prisons. It's just one disaster after another. They are unsafe. They're inhumane. They are terrible places. We've been to them. Uh, We've had uh, nine suicides since the order was given a couple of years ago that they needed to do something about mental health and address suicide prevention in the uh, state prisons. Uh, In the last, what, uh, couple of months, uh, out of the last couple of months, we've had four or five of the nine. I don't see the numbers right here in front of me. But, you know, this was a case recently, Charles Braggs, died of suicide. He, he, he had been in solitary confinement for um, two, uh, years. two years. Uh, he was the sixth black inmate to die uh, of suicide. And this is something that the state was told to address. And it looks to me, Josh, like they're just not doing anything. No, they're not. And they're not going to unless the federal court comes in or, you know, uh, the feds come in, the Department of Justice comes in and makes them do it. I mean, it's just a fact of life. They're not going to do it. Uh, you know, our idiot uh, attorney general is going to jump up and down and talk about federal intervention and all that nonsense. In the meantime, people are literally dying. People are dying that have uh, mental health issues. OK, and that's what most of these cases are. They're mental health issues. There are people with legitimate mental health problems that should be in a mental health hospital somewhere. Uh, getting treatment and, and going through programs that would help them. But instead, they are uncontrollable by the guys that work in corrections because, of course, they are. The guys in corrections aren't trained for that. And so they get locked in solitary confinement for two years because they can't control them. And so this is the sort of thing, the problems that we have out of this. And until somebody comes in and makes us do something about it, we're going to continue to have these issues. Well, if you put me in solitary confinement for two years, I would develop mental health issues. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, we keep reminding, and this is something that I'm not sure our lawmakers understand, that just because you're incarcerated does not mean you lose your humanity. You know, what you lose is your freedom. And then the state has a custodial responsibility for your health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And it well, just doesn't seem they get that. No, and and the goal of our prison system, stated over and over and over again, is rehabilitation, all right? What's taking place there isn't rehabilitation. And the no. atmosphere 
that is in our prisons is not set by the prisoners. It's set by the people who run the prison. That's the way this works. Well, there has been a failure of leadership for so long that failure has become acceptable mm -hmm. at every standpoint in the prison system. And, and it's a shame because we can do better. Yes, we can. We're just choosing not to. But we're gonna have to leave it right there. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back. The Port of Mobile is a crucial commerce center for the entire state of Alabama. Activities with our shippers generated over $490 million in tax revenue for the state. We've generated 135,000 jobs by having a competitive seaport within cost-effective reach. Thanks to the state's leadership, Alabama's only seaport is being modernized to ensure that we are continually competing on a global scale. For more information, contact the Alabama State Port Authority at ASDD.com. A lot can change in five years except those smile lines you treated with Bellafill. Because that's about how long Bellafill will keep them smooth and filled. Five years. Now you can always look your best without all those injections, appointments, and costs. Bellafill is the only dermal filler that stimulates and maintains collagen growth long-term. Now time is on your side. What are you doing today? Um, play the game. Thought I'd go out for a drive later, maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it. Scroll through social media. Kill a family four and a head on collision. Cool, man. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest today is Commissioner of the Alabama Department of Mental Health, Lynn Bashir. Commissioner, welcome. Thank you. It has been a trying time for all of us. I know your department, like others, is stretched. One of the things that we're all experiencing, I think most of us can say, is renewed anxiety, uh, worry, fear, uh, uncertainty over what's happening with this pandemic. From your perspective and what you see out there from a mental health perspective, what, what are the things that you're seeing the most prevalent in our state? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for this invitation. Um, if ever there was an opportunity afforded to our department to engage in a broader discussion about mental health and emotional health, this, this pandemic has prevented that, presented that opportunity to us. And it's one that while we certainly don't welcome the pandemic, we welcome the conversation. Uh, there has been an increase, of course, in uh, suicidality, you know, um, people thinking about suicide, people actually taking their own lives. Uh, there's a great increase in alcohol and substance use. Uh, there has been an increase in domestic violence and child-related 
uh, issues as well that has increased uh, DHR's caseload. So uh, we're all in a collective grief process, I believe. We're grieving for loved ones who may have been lost. We're grieving for our lost life that we used to have and that we didn't realize was so uh, good, perhaps, but we grieve for that loss. So um, anxiety manifests in many ways, irritability, lack of sleep, uh, loss of appetite, generalized change in behavior. Um, And everyone is feeling that, but everyone is also much more open about talking about their emotions. So Oh, that that's that that's some very bad news, but it's also that you're saying people are more uh, open to talking about it because we all know that that's the best way to start the process of healing and overcoming these situations. One of the things that is going on is that I, we we have to believe that our young children and our teenagers are experiencing this pandemic unlike the way we are as adults. I mean, they're, they're experiencing it in, in their own way. And as the children are getting ready to go back to school and parents are dealing with those difficult choices, what, what are you seeing we need to do for children and what, what's available for uh, children out there and for parents uh, to help their kids cope with this crisis? Okay. Thank you for asking that really important question. <laughs> and I put on my glasses because I've actually made a few notes and I want to make sure that I don't forget to sure. share some information. Uh, first of all, children need a calm presence because they take their cues from you. And if right. there's something that, that you're upset about, they are going to feel that and, and be upset as well. Uh, they need accurate information, but it needs to be age appropriate and in just the right amount to not create unnecessary fear, to create um, an understanding of why you have to wear a mask, why you have to wash your hands, why you might not be able to play with your friends, why you might not be able to go see grandmother. Um, They need emotional connections, okay? So the fact that parents are home with their children, in most cases, is, is a positive thing. They need predictable routines. They need to get up at the same time. They need to eat uh, not all snack food, eat regular meals, get dressed, get a bath, keep their routine as much as possible, which provides security. Um, Since 2014, when we had the sand, or which was just a couple years after the Sandy Hook tragedy, which spurred our department to create a partnership with the Alabama Department of Mental Health. We, I mean, the Alabama Department of Public Education, uh, we have had a program of school-based mental health services. Yeah, that started then. And so when, when I came to the department and we expanded the conversation about prevention, early intervention, the legislators and the governor heard that message and they have provided funding for the last three years for us to expand services. Um, This coming year, they have really increased the funding to the point that the State Department of Education is going to be able to hire local 
people to really examine uh, what services for people's mental, children's mental health uh, are available in the community, not for children that necessarily need therapy. Now, our role, the department's role in that is we provide therapy in the schools for children who have a special need of that kind of therapy. Keeps them from having to miss school. It keeps the parent from having to take off work. And we have continued that uh, through telehealth as much as possible during this uh, period of the the pandemic. So I wanted to particularly make people aware that that is available is a partnership with the uh, local mental health centers. We have 19 of those across the state that cover all 67 of our counties. Well, that that is a particularly important program. We're glad to know you have it. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have about 40 seconds left, which I'd love to have more time with you. If people are in trouble, and they need help. Can you give us a few places they can go? And we're going to put the names and the phone numbers up on the screen uh, so people can get them. Okay. All right. Thank you for that question. Yes, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline number is 800-273-8255. And the NAMI helpline number is 800 950 6264, and that's Monday through Friday from 10 to 6 Eastern Time. As I said, every county has availability to a local mental health center. That information is on our website, www.mh.alabama.gov. That's the Alabama Department of Mental Health's website. All of that information is available or they can call our public information office, or they can call the commissioner office. Well, thank you so much for this vital information and for the vital services that your department is providing for the state of Alabama. Well, thank you again for this opportunity to share information, and we welcome another opportunity to share if that's appropriate in the future. We will make it happen. Thank you so much, Commissioner. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Our special guest has been Commissioner of the Alabama Department of Mental Health, Lynn Bashir. We'll be right back with more news and analysis. Today, we are at war with an invisible enemy. Not that long ago, families across Alabama helped America turned the tide in World War II. Some joined the front lines in combat, while others led the fight on the home front. Those sacrifices helped our nation win the war and go on to define the greatest generation. Now, we must answer today's call. By comparison, our sacrifice is small, but each of us can do our part. Mask up, Alabama. doing today babe? I thought I'd head down to the lake with the guys do a little fishing. 
course, none of us will be wearing our seat belts. I'll lose control of the truck, wrap it around a tree, and kill us all. Okay. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You know, we had reports this week that the virus had plateaued because it had uh, gone a couple of days under 1,000. Then it jumped up to over 1,600. We, we're not plateauing. Uh, things look like they may be getting better, but only incrementally, not drastically. Uh, you know, the death toll has been enormous in July, Susan. Yeah, we're averaging about 21.36 deaths per day. And of the 600 that died last month, 299, over half, right around half of those, were just in the last right. two weeks. So it seems to still be escalating. And, and this goes back to people not social distancing, the big 4th of July celebrations, those types of things. But Josh, you, you've been out and about quite a bit lately. Are you noticing any change since Governor Ivey's uh, mask order came out? Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, it, it, we're, we're in a Republican-dominated state, so I think uh, it, it often takes this thing, you know, things hitting home before, uh, you know, they take things seriously a lot of times. Uh, and, and I think you've seen that uh, now with this virus and how it's affecting people. And I noticed a, a big change of, of people commenting on social media about people that they know who've had the virus and people and their family members have, you know, have, have died and all that sort of thing. And so I think that has affected this thing a lot in the way people are approaching it. And I have noticed after that order, uh, you know, I think a lot of businesses implemented mask orders at that point as well and started to really enforce them. Uh, and you, you go out and about a little bit and there you, you very rarely see anybody without a mask inside a store. Uh, now, and, and you kind of get the feeling of other people kind of looking at them like, you know, hey, man, what are you doing uh, here yeah. Uh, yeah. if you do see somebody that way? Well, the way I've, I've learned to look at this from Alabama's standpoint is if it happens in New York and California, it's a hoax. If it happens, you know, somewhere in the state, it's a problem. But if it happens in your house, it's a crisis. Absolutely. So I think that's where we are. Uh, one of the things this, this past week, uh, Senate candidate Tommy Tuberville came out. He was asked about the $600 uh, additional money to unemployment benefits that expired. Uh, he said that $600 a month, Susan, was, I mean, a week was just way too much. Way too much. Well, $800 a week he makes now from the RS is, is not way too much to him. Well, he gets it from his retirement, eight, eight, $800 a week, which is chump change. For right, that. right. Uh, but Josh, I mean, you know, he, he quit a good job and still got paid, right? Yeah, 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 that's it's right. If it, it, you know, I guess uh, $600, maybe I don't understand how that could possibly be too much for a guy who extorted Auburn for $5 million when he decided he wanted to quit his job. Allegedly. Uh, Allegedly. Yeah, you know, but uh, look, $600 a week is $15 an hour. That's what, you, that's what you're talking about here. Uh, yeah. And so, and, and the worst part of this is, the, the cry from, uh, you know, the conservative side of this, it says, oh, we ought to give these money to, to the businesses and stop this handout to these people who are not, not going to work. Every dollar that you have given 
in unemployment benefits to people has gone directly to businesses to keep people yeah. employed and keep buying products. I mean, yeah. they're, they're not saving this. They're living, man. I mean, there are plenty of economists who have said that the $600 a week kept us from having a worse outcome in unemployment because that $600 was immediately spent with businesses, allowed them to stay open and mm -hmm. keep their employees. That's basic economics it is and 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 this is listen uh the taxpayer is going to pay back this money you pay for your uninsured uh, unemployment insurance to begin with so it, yeah. it's it's not exactly free money no it's not well free. yeah hey, and, and i'll tell you this too look at all the fraud in those loan programs that's taking place yeah. over there you tell you where there's not any fraud where the, well, the people you're giving unemployment money to that's going back and spending it well and tupperville had that investment thing going for him i mean he likes other people's money yeah, he really does. Can I say? For himself. Yes. Will Desmutes, representative from Prattville area, uh, has been charged with felony theft uh, by the district attorney's office in Montgomery. Uh, Desmute has become sort of a household name because of his support for the Confederacy and his speaking at the uh, anniversary or the birthday of uh, the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. Right. Uh, Coinciding, you know, with the death of... John Lewis. Thank you. Yes. So, uh, you know, this is a charge. It is not, uh, you know, the, the district attorney felt that there was evidence that he could be arrested and, mm -hmm. and he'll face a jury of his peers unless he makes a deal, Josh. Yeah, it's um, hard times for it. It's been a rough month for <laughs> real disputes, man. So he lost his job as the pastor. Uh, you know, he's had all of his buddies tell him to resign. Now he's in jail for a little while. And uh, yeah. it's hard, you know, it's heartbreaking for the racists. Well, and he showed up. <laughs> he showed up to turn himself in and a pair of shorts and sneakers and a T-shirt and, <laughs> and, a, and a hat. <clears throat> That's it. I'm going to be out of here in 15 minutes. He showed up in the courts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's like I said, it's, uh, I'm going to be out of here in 15 minutes outfit uh, that he showed yeah. up to, to turn himself in with there. Uh, yeah. But it's, you know, listen, uh, do the right things, man, and you won't have things to worry about. Well, Desputes is a class act. We know that. Celebrates Confederacy. Uh, talks about uh, how wonderful it is and uh, then shows up, well, gets charged with a felony. Theft. But on social media, there are people out there defending Will. This is my favorite one. The second one is... I don't know, it's, it's pretty up there too. It says, uh, I do not believe Will Desmukes is a racist or a thief. I think you should look at the people out to destroy him. That's what I think. That's one post. The other one was, he isn't. They just want him out because he's white. Who's they, Josh? Who are Moron. they? <laughs> uh, I mean, really, I, no, nobody wants this guy out because he's white. Uh, they want him out because he's embarrassing everybody. Yeah. Well, and Susan, if he is guilty of felony theft, he's out of there anyway. He's out of the whole political game. Yeah. It's all yeah, over. Yeah, it's all over for him. But I tell you, some people think that the timing on this is politically motivated. I, I don't see it, uh, but that's what they do. Anytime a politician these days gets into trouble, they cry witch hunt or foul ball or whatever. Well, we're going to have to leave it right there. You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them. <laughs>